Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, April 7th. This is your FT News Briefing. Yesterday, Boris Johnson was moved into an intensive care unit after the UK Prime Minister's coronavirus infection worsened. His mild symptoms had developed into a serious medical situation, joining the many others around the world afflicted by the disease. But stock market investors were looking ahead to when the coronavirus outbreak might peak, as signs emerged that the rate of infection was stabilizing, particularly in hard-hit countries. On Monday, U.S. stocks surged more than 7%. Then, Italy has been hit especially hard, with more than 16,000 deaths from coronavirus and an ailing economy caused by lockdowns. The FT's Miles Johnson explains why Italy feels abandoned by its neighbors at a time of crisis. Plus, our stay-at-home situation is pushing broadband internet to its limits. The FT's global business columnist, Rana Faruhar, explains why the system in the U.S. needs an upgrade. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, global equities markets and the U.S. stock market surged on encouraging news regarding the coronavirus death toll. The FT's U.S. markets reporter, Colby Smith, has more. So global equity markets did quite well on Monday. We had U.S. stocks rising over 7%, and that continued a rally that we saw pretty much globally um, across Europe and Asia. And a lot of this had to do with the fact that around the world, in a lot of the countries that have been hard hit by coronavirus, we've seen a peak or at least a slowdown in some of the deaths and some of the numbers of cases that have come up. So investors have seized on this somewhat, um, this more positive news, as some indication that there's light at the end of the tunnel, just like President Trump said um, also on Monday on Twitter. Right, Colby. And in some ways, the light at the end of the tunnel mindset is definitely there. The daily death toll in Italy, France, Spain, some of the biggest European hotspots are slowing. But we should note that Donald Trump did say that this will be a rough two weeks in the U.S. And there are estimates that, best case scenario, up to 240,000 Americans could die. And that's the humanitarian crisis. As for markets, this surge is still coming out of quite a low point. So we shouldn't look at this in a silo, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, and and the market reaction in recent weeks really reflects that. We've seen very few consistent days of gains for U.S. stocks in particular. There's still quite a bit of volatility, and that's just reflecting the fact that it's just such an uncertain period of time right now. We don't know where the end is. We don't know how extent the economic damage will be. And taken together, it's very hard to ascertain whether or not any moves in the market are indicating a bottom, meaning that we've seen you know, the worst of it, or if that's still to come. And while investors might be encouraged by Italy's death toll slowing, the damage that's already been done is palpable. More than 16,000 people are dead because of the virus, and the country's economy is on course to suffer the deepest recession in its modern history. Italy is grappling with being left to deal with the crisis without the support of most of its European neighbors. Our Rome correspondent, Miles Johnson, points out Italians are feeling betrayed by the European response to their plight. You have a purely technical level where there's a lot of debate going on about what the sort of European institutions, the European Commission, the European Central Bank should actually be doing at this time, what form technically that should take. But then there's also the symbolic, an important point, something which has been repeatedly made by the Italians, is that they say 
in the past, for example, in the European debt crisis, there were imbalances which were caused by particular countries. And therefore, it was more understandable to say, well, this country maybe took on too much debt in the past. So why should you know other countries get involved and help them out in certain ways. Now they keep using the term symmetrical. You know, they're basically saying that this is a symmetrical shock which is happening to the whole of the world and also Europe. And so it's not anyone's fault. So it's not Italy's fault that there's this huge outbreak of COVID-19 and it's not any other country's fault. And therefore, the only way to solve this problem is to act together in a coordinated way. And so, Miles, how are some Italians feeling about this? I think there is a sense which we reported on among the sort of pro-European elites in Italy that if something is not done decisively, if there is not a breakthrough that has a vast symbolic resonance with the Italian population, that it is doing something in this huge moment of crisis and this moment of need for the country, then it will be far harder in the future for pro-Europeans in Italy to argue and convince the population that the European Union is a positive force for change in the country. And just to be clear, Miles, this isn't all European countries. Some more than others, like Germany and the Netherlands, are especially grappling with how to help Italy. And it seems like they're reluctant to do certain things. Well, this is a long-standing, it taps into a long-standing debate within the European Union about the sort of mutualization of debt obligations monetary financing of states. And this is a something which goes back to the Eurozone crisis and even beyond what are broadly characterized as the Northern European countries versus the Southern European countries is, is slightly more complicated than that. But there is strong resistance in Germany, notably, and the Netherlands and some other countries to doing anything that would mutualize the debts of other countries and therefore effectively what they would argue to be placing their taxpayers on the hook for other countries' debts. In Italy, the argument is that this is a false portrayal of the debate, that they're not arguing for German taxpayers to pay for Italian debts. They're asking for all European countries to issue debt together, which will be paid for by all countries in the same way in which the central bank, each Eurozone member has capital in that bank, which is proportionate to their size. They argue that the same thing should happen with bonds. As countries get deeper into coronavirus lockdowns, people are returning to the internet. Video conferencing for work and socializing, streaming, whether it's music or services such as Netflix and Hulu, plus, of course, online shopping. But can broadband handle all this extra pressure we're placing on it? The FT's global business columnist, Rana Faruhar, argues that the U.S. needs a sizable overhaul on broadband. Whether you're in the U.S., the U.K., Spain, Italy, I mean, all of the countries that have been hardest hit by coronavirus have had high double-digit increases in broadband usage over the last three weeks. And that's the kind of number that you would expect to see over the course of years. So this is an incredible burden on the system. And that's why in the US, in cities like New York, Seattle, San Jose, Houston, you are seeing latency issues, you're seeing slower download speeds, and just generally a sense of strain on a system that we already knew wasn't up to the highest international standards. So Rana, what would you like to see in terms of making broadband faster and more efficient? 
I think we need to be thinking about should broadband be really a, a universal public utility like water, like electricity. Right now, it would kill so many birds with one stone. For starters, if you think about the kinds of work that it is going to be safe to do most quickly in the current environment, that's going to be big, protected outdoor projects. So the idea of doing a major rural broadband big dig, this is exactly what we want to be doing right now. It's happening at a time when literally interest rates have never been lower, you know, in the history of the world. I mean, we have gotten negative interest rates on 30-year T-bills. It's just like, please borrow money, you know, is what the Fed is saying to us. And it would also start to address this inequality divide that coronavirus is just going to speed up that incredible concentration of wealth and make it even more so, which then would lead to more polarized politics and would put us possibly once again in a situation that we have, if not worse. And, and to that point of inequality, do taxpayers pay for this? Where, where does the money come from? Well, it's a good question. So it, first of all, it has to be said that even before the virus hit, there was already a fair bit of money earmarked for broadband. But, you know, I think that this is not the kind of thing that should just be paid for by the public sector. So I would like to see the private sector taking on part of this load. And in particular, I would like to see not just the telecoms companies, but I would like to see some of the big tech companies, you know, the, the Googles, the Amazons, the Facebooks, maybe having to pay into this perhaps via a digital dividend tax or something that takes some of that data wealth that they're now mining for free and puts it towards building pipes. The reason I think this is so important is that the virus is going to concentrate even more corporate wealth in the hands of just a few tech companies because everything's virtual. These are the only companies that are growing. But also the big tech companies, the big sort of attention monetizers, they have double digit profit margins. So they get to monetize this infrastructure basically for free right now. Whereas the telecoms companies have to build the pipes, they have single digit profit margins. I think that that corporate wealth sharing, both between companies, but also with the public sector has got to be there. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.